welcome to For All Mankind, the podcast. Today's guest is a radio contributor, a media project manager who's currently on maternity leave, and a mum to gorgeous baby Julia. It's Sue Murphy. Hello. How, How are you? you? I'm good. <laughs> so I feel like we need to declare at the get-go, myself and Sue have been friends for <laughs> what I think. I was thinking there, Sue, so I think it's about 15 years, which it's really... Oh I think, it, yeah, it must be. Yeah, because that would college. make me 20 um, when we met. So, it, yeah, it would be around that, I think. Yeah. So from, yeah, from when we met in college. I have all your, um, I have all your dirty secrets and all these stories. I know. You know that I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> and you on me as well, but anyway. <laughs> and then as things progressed, now anything like that's it's like the dirty secrets to like now it's more like dirty nappies. I know. Um, <laughs> How times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> but friendship is a funny thing like that though isn't it like it's you know it when you're kind of pre friend like you're like when you're friends with someone it, through university and, and working and then you're still friends with them when you become a mum the mm. kind of friendship changes in a way I think yeah after, and I think as well it's rare I, I, I don't know there's like I still keep in touch with people from college but I don't think to the same extent that we kept in touch. Like there are some people like Davit, one of our other friends as well, who's also a parent now as well. But like it's very, it's hard because you change a lot. I think after you come out of college and you have your first job and everything like that, it's hard to keep in touch with people. But um, no. And then when you become a parent, you kind of oh, it's just you totally change again. Yeah, no, um, definitely. And I think your like availability changes and your. You know, it's you need the friends that know what's going on and understand when you say, I can't meet at two o'clock because that's actually yeah. the nap time. Can I meet you at like 12 or four or you know what I mean? And they have that understanding of oh, going absolutely no problem. Or if you have something scheduled and you have to totally just rain check the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Be- well, I, I definitely feel like since I've had Julia, like we, we talk quite a bit, obviously, and we meet up quite a bit. But I think our friendship has changed so much since I've had Julia because I get it now. Yeah. Like before I would have been like, I don't get it. I don't. I'm going to try and pretend like I get a lot of this stuff, <laughs> but I don't. And I, like, I think there's like a certain amount that you just go with because you're really good friends. And then you're like, oh, no, I get it. I understand all this stuff now, which you were talking about. It all makes sense. Yeah, so I think sometimes you just have to be a mom to get that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it does help. <laughs> like everything just shifts, all your priorities, all your, um, yeah, everything just changes, um, and it's not. It's so nice to share like pregnancies and stuff because, like, you would have, uh, you would have told me quite early on in your pregnancy that you were pregnant, and it was nice to be able to kind of help you guys out or share any knowledge that I had on pregnancy or birth or labor or just babies um <laughs> yeah. and I remember I actually remember telling yourself and your husband Mick um you were down I think with us you were staying over and I was like guys like it's not going to be easy but that's okay because at the end of the day you're keeping somebody alive yeah and it's you know you're going to have hard days and that's fine they come and go and they'll pass um yeah yeah it's it's kind of it's nice to have i think people around you whether it's like your friends or it's people from mummy groups or like a whatsapp group or anything like that it's kind of nice to lean on people i feel like i've missed out on that a little bit because like i think i lean on you and the couple of people i know that are parents because i don't have the mummy groups at the moment because of everything that's going on and 
you know, it's harder to get out and about and meet mommies and meet people. And there's a couple of people in work that have had babies and I'm kind of like, oh my God, please just talk to me. Because it's, it's hard. Like, because sometimes you just want to have a quick chat about what's going on. And there isn't really anyone around to do that with. Everyone's stuck in their houses or... It's hard. It's hard having a baby during a pandemic, turns out. <laughs> you know, I've discovered. <laughs> and your pregnancy... Um you ended up getting gestational diabetes. Mm. Now, I know very little about gestational diabetes other than what you've told me. So how did you, when, well, like what term or what week did that come about and what was the effect of it? Um, so like you, you kind of can have different levels of it. Basically, it's, 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 this, it's that same as diabetes. Your body's not producing enough, enough insulin. So your, your body's producing enough insulin for yourself, but it's not producing enough insulin for you and the baby. So um, when I was about, I think it was about 20 weeks or so, they do this kind of um, glucose test in the rotunda. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> like, I haven't met one woman who was like, that was great. <laughs> uh, you go in and you have to fast the night before. And when you're 20, week pre- 20 weeks pregnant, you've just started eating again because you've been sick. You're like, oh, great. Now stop eating. So you have to fast from eight and you're allowed to have food or water, nothing until the next morning and then you go in at half seven um, you do a blood test at half seven then they give you this kind of sugary drink and then you have two other blood tests and then this they give you breakfast which is very nice of them you go down to the canteen and they give you breakfast and they send you off on your way and i was like done ticked don't have diabetes this is fantastic and i got a call that day going um your sugar level was really high and i was like oh okay and they said, so we're just going to, um, we're going to bring you in and we're going to do a blood series. And I was like, oh, okay. It didn't, it's very, it is kind of overwhelming because it's a lot of information. And I remember a doctor saying to me at one point, like, you have to deal with being a first time mom. And now you're going to have to deal with all of this information that's going to be thrown at you about diabetes. So I was like, oh my gosh. And basically what they're trying to do is keep down your sugar. Okay. Because if your sugar gets too high, your baby's going to, there's a chance that your baby could get too big uh, which causes further complications and there's other kind of side complications that can happen as well but they're rare enough so they just try to manage it uh, so I went in for the blood series and they keep you in for the entire day for that so they give you all your meals and they they you go in from about half seven to about two or three o'clock and I mean I'm, the amount of time I was off work was insane I was just like I'm just in the hospital again <laughs> um but they track they take a blood test you have your breakfast take blood test, have your lunch, take a blood test, you know what I mean? So you're, they're tracking you across the day to see how you respond, how your food responds. Yeah. And uh, I went home that evening, again convinced that I was going to be able to manage this with diet because there's two different ways to do it. You can manage it with diet or you can manage it with insulin. And I was like, yay, this is great now. That's fine. That's over. Uh, I'll just manage this in my diet and everything's going to be fine. And I got a call in work saying, you're going to have to come back in. You're going to have to take insulin. Your your sugar was really high. And I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. And I I think I took it really bad. Um, like I started crying in work and left work. I think I thought it was going to be so much worse than it was going to be, you know. Um, got in the car and drove home. Actually crashed the car on the way home. A bus crashed into the side of my car. <laughs> so I, I was like already crying and then I got out of the car and was like bawling at the side of the road and the bus driver was like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I was like no it's not you I have diabetes <laughs> he was like okay so um, 
I drove home and my husband was just like, I'm just gonna lock you in a room and you're not allowed to leave anymore until I know you're safe. Um, but I had to go in a few days later and they show you how to inject insulin. So uh, you get a little book. Is that like a big needle or a little needle? It's a tiny, it's a really fine, fine needle. Like okay. when I first heard it was a needle, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be horrendous. But they bring you in to do the, the series again. So you have your blood test, you do your, um, you do your breakfast and then they show you how to inject the insulin and it's so funny because I remember the first day when they were showing me it was a really nice midwife was showing me how to do it and I remember thinking they want me to just start this straight away they want me to start like putting needles on myself this is shocking <laughs> I'd feel the same I'd be like really I felt like I wasn't prepared I was like I shouldn't be allowed to put a needle in myself that doesn't seem like it's good practice <laughs> And um, they were like, no, 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 uh, this is now your life. You're going to have to do this like every after every before every meal. So I was like, OK, so they basically you get two different um, types of insulin. There's a fast releasing insulin and there's a slow releasing insulin. And the slow releasing insulin is kind of for overnight. So when you have your last uh, snack or meal or whatever, you take that one till it keeps you going until the next morning. And then the fast one works through your food, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So you have to, I ended up having to take insulin six times a day, six, seven times, seven, six, seven needles a day. Um, and I had uh, to measure my blood sugar constantly. And it's, it's, it's like you feel like you're in school. You have a diary and you have to write down your blood sugar before your breakfast, after your breakfast, before your lunch, after your lunch, like all through your day. And then you have to ring every Tuesday and read them all out to a diabetic nurse so they track you constantly so it's, like I, it's really closely managed i it's so, like i'm a really anxious person so when it came to like i had a miscarriage on my first pregnancy so for my second pregnancy i was just like oh my god i'm i was just on edge all the time and it just gave me a little bit of reassurance because i went in every second week and was scanned and was weighed and blood tests and urine like I was so closely monitored the entire way through my pregnancy it was unbelievable so it's kind of in some ways it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because your whole life comes down to timings Um, yeah you know you're you have to if you don't have food in a certain amount of time when you take the injection you're going to get really weak and your blood sugar is going to drop and you know you have to worry about those kind of things and Towards the end of my pregnancy, I started to get hypos. So that's when your blood sugar drops completely. And like when you drop below, I think it's below 4.5, maybe 4. When your blood sugar drops below a certain level, you have to immediately get as much sugar into your system as you can. So I had to like, I remember one day I was in the shopping center and my blood sugar dropped to 3.3. It was really low and you could faint like it's a disaster. And I was about 37, 38 weeks pregnant and um i had to like run in and get a glass of orange juice and just like get as much sugar into my system as i could immediately so it's it is kind of stressful because of that and it's also stressful because your diet like i remember christmas day like the height of my christmas day was having some stuffing because you're just not allowed to eat anything with sugar not a thing with sugar now like there are some women who went through it and was like they were like look they kind of bank on women not necessarily eat like eating spectacularly well all the way yeah. through their pregnancy but just try to like they were like oh if you eat 
if you need something that's a little bit bad on Christmas Day, make sure you go for a walk afterwards. So I was like, well, what if I eat like three things? And they were like, yeah, walk every time. I was like, three walks on Christmas Day? <laughs> when I'm 35 weeks pregnant, do you walk with me? I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll just stick with the stuffing. <laughs> um, so that that was kind of, but you can't do, like mine was the more extreme version. Yeah. Because I had to be managed all the way up and then had to be induced because they, because of the diabetes like they have to manage all the way through i was really lucky that i made it all the way through my pregnancy yeah i was because i was going to ask you that then the effect of um of it on your actual kind of labor so yeah they obviously kept an eye on the size of the baby yeah um, along because i remember you were, we were obviously texting around the time and it was like every time you went in you were kind of like is this it or is are they going to push me out and they, they kind of kept nudging you further and further along yeah because they kept saying to me that it basically wasn't having an impact on her. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. But like, what the hell's going on with it? Because they were like, I remember talking to one, um, one of the doctors that I know when she was like, they won't let you go past 38 weeks. It won't happen. So I signed off because uh, she said to me, you're better off. And a couple of people, a couple of doctors actually that were in the hospital said, make sure you sign off it for 38 weeks because... Um, if you don't, they might just say to you, oh, we're going to ring you on a Friday and you won't be ready. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I signed off. Um, I finished on December 20th and I didn't have her. I had her on her due date, on her original due date on the 26th of January. So they let me, they let me go all the way up to the 24th of January, which was the Friday. And they were like, yeah, we're going to induce you on the Friday. And I went, two days before my due date. <laughs> After all, like that was a long wait. <laughs> because every time I went in like they did a sweep and everything so I was like oh this is definitely going to happen now it's definitely going to happen and it was like no no and did a sweep every time they did a, no they did a sweep um a week and a half before oh, I went right, okay. into the induced <laughs> I was yeah. like god that's horrific no they went to, they said to me did I want to do another one and I was like no thank you <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know anyone that would sign up to that for a second time <laughs> no no <laughs> oh, thanks. I remember you texting me think it was either the thursday or the friday to say you were going in to be induced mm. um and then it was kind of like i didn't know what to do because i had i'd been induced as so i had an idea of what goes on and stuff but mm. i kind of thought to myself was it thursday or fr- so what day did you go in it was a friday okay so the then i remember thinking friday. to myself if she's in friday the chances are she'll have the baby saturday <laughs> so there was no word from you saturday <laughs> morning <wish. laughs> saturday evening i was no. like where is the baby and then it was like <laughs> sunday morning and it was still nothing and then you sent me a text i think it was sunday evening yeah which was very like we we're very like we jump into conversations with each other we don't really I suppose we have yeah. that type of friendship that we don't go hi how are you we go straight in so I think the text was oh god I had uh, I don't remember I had I think it was something like I had a baby and nearly killed me um <laughs> and I knew I knew on I knew the longer it went on the longer I didn't hear from you I was like, this is not going well. And I just, no. t- all, I, I spent the whole weekend worrying. And I was really between two minds going, do I text her? Do I not text her? Do I text her husband? What is going on? I just knew. I was like, I've known you for so long. I was like, only Sue could have something. You know, yeah. it, this is going to be complicated. I just yeah. knew it. And the longer it went on, I was getting more worried. And then you sent me that text and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> And it's actually only what, like, it was only in the past couple of weeks, now that Julia's four months, that you've actually, like, 
we've had a full conversation from like about what actually happened in great yeah. detail um and it was traumatic and it went on for far too long and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it's so funny. I, th- you're uh, actually you and um my two other uh, best friends as well Eva and Maria uh, I think they're the only people who and besides make obviously <laughs> who knew the extent of um how how bad it was like I said that like obviously I had a baby and she's really healthy and that's great but um I couldn't even I don't think I even told my mother how how traumatic the whole thing was I mean it was fairly traumatic um I was brought in on the Friday and I had yeah so I was induced on the Friday and they you know the way they have the two different methods but they yeah. I had the tampon I don't know if, the, if that's just standard practice in other hospitals but um the, yeah it was awful um but Julia whatever way I think I was saying this to you before but every way she was in she was lying on it was kind of like she was on my hip bone mm-hmm. so I couldn't sleep I didn't sleep away and they sent you know they sent Mick off at like nine o'clock that night and there was still no sign of anything happening nothing and I was like oh and I'd been like induced at nine o'clock that morning we were waiting 12 hours and we we're like saw people it, it was like that you know when I said to me at one stage it was like that scene in Friends when yeah Rachel's like sitting in the room going everyone else has left this room to have their baby except me that's exactly what was happening I was still sitting there going where's this baby so um there was a lovely midwife looking after me and she came in the the next morning and she you know after 24 hours they check it and she was like yeah Stephen, I think we're we're far enough along we're going to break your waters so I was like oh brilliant that's great we're on the way and then they disappeared they you know you have to wait for a, a place to come up basically when yeah. you're in public and the delivery ward so um five hours later she came back to me to break my waters and I was like <laughs> good lord so um they'd just given me my dinner I just I still remember seeing the dinner and the thing and they broke my waters and um I immediately went from zero to 90 with contractions like my contractions came on very 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 quick and ver- like there was I remember you saying before that it was kind of like there was no lull. Where's the yeah. lull? I yeah. was the same. I was like, there's supposed to be this lull. <laughs> Where is it? And I was re like, there was me and there was another girl across me in the ward at that stage. Everyone else is gone. And you could hear me. Like, I was like breathing so. I was trying to do all the breathing that they teach you. And I was like, why is this so bad? It's not meant to be this bad. And. Um, you've gas and air. Well, this was in, I'm still in the ward. Like they haven't actually brought me down to any of the delivery suite. So, I, so my contractions are flying and I'm still in the ward. I was like, oh my God, please get me down to the delivery suite. Because um, I, I had gas and air at this point. When they broke my water, they, I had the, whatever you'd call it, like the mouthpiece in my hand. Oh yeah. And this, like once those contractions started, like I was pretty much attached to that. <laughs> Give me the... No, I, I was just like, I was like this epidural, like I, I'm glad I'm going for this epidural <laughs> because they came up. I remember they brought me down to the delivery thing and your one, uh, there was this great, like Paul, I have to actually say her name, Pauline. She worked in the rotunda on the night shift and she was brilliant. I was standing at the back of the, the ward at the window because it was cool there and I was like holding on for dear life. And uh, she came in the door at the other end of the ward. She went, Susan. Let's go. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, where am I going? And she was like, delivery, of course. Get your stuff. So she like marched me down to the delivery switch. I'll never forget it. She was mad. Like, um, and got in. And I remember the, the midwife who was looking after me said, 
okay i'm going to give you some oxytocin to bring up those contractions and i went bring up my contractions and she went oh yeah yeah, yeah. that they're not as bad as they're going to get i was like what <laughs> i'm in agony here like i was really in agony and uh she said uh, yeah they're going to get a lot worse and and she was like would you like the epidural before and she didn't even get to before or after i just went before 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 <laughs> bring the pain <laughs> like so um your ma the guy came down to give me the epidural and everything so i i've never in my life experienced anything like an epidural i was like this is the greatest thing on earth like it was just because when amazing. i had the epidural i was like well and truly off my face on gas and air <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't take the gas the gas was making me sick oh no i was i'm one of those rare people apparently because the nurses kept saying that they're like you're going to make yourself sick i was like i will not make myself sick and i was i like it yeah no i had a, a clinch so tight on, on it that my fingers were white and even after getting the epidural they were like you can let it go and i was like absolutely not i was like nope this is staying with me until the baby's in my arms i can imagine that as well because like, like it just wasn't it wasn't working for me but i would have taken anything that would have worked for me you know and my poor mick like was like do you want to put on some music and i was like don't talk to me just don't even talk to me so i was like i didn't i just didn't realize how bad those contractions i think you always know they're going to be bad but i just i didn't realize they were going to be that bad and um so you got the epidural got the epidural that and did that make a good effect like did that take away the pain i got immediately i couldn't feel anything from the waist down and um it was really funny because i remember the midwife <laughs> i said to her that's not going to wear off now is it and she was like no 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 that's until you give birth and i went oh okay so it's not going to wear and apparently like i don't know how many times i said it to her but i kept repeating myself and the last time she just turned around and she went susan you're you're fine with the epidural and I was like, oh okay sorry <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> so i was pure panicked that it was going to wear off but um i didn't and six so i was taking a long time to get to 10 centimeters and um they had a trace on her and on Julia and she is not she wasn't a great mover at night when I was pregnant she just slept and they were getting concerned they were just like oh okay we think um we might have to do uh, if this if you don't dilate enough we might have to do an emergency c-section because she's not really moving that much and we're kind of a little bit worried about it and I had midwives and doctors coming in constantly checking the the trace and I was like, lads, she's grand. She just sleeps at night. Like, everything's fine. <laughs> and they kept saying to me, no, no, no. We, like, and I was like, honestly, this is just what she's like. like she, just did, she just wasn't a mover at night. I knew myself what she was like. Mm -hmm. But they were getting very concerned about it. Um, but about half eight, they, uh, the midwife came in to me and said, okay, well, we can start. We can start pushing. And I was like, oh, right. And she was like, yeah, you're at 10 centimeters. We're, we're going to go. So I was like, great, this is fantastic. And she was like, you're going to meet your baby soon. And I was like, brilliant. And uh, we started and Julia was coming down, but her head was slightly turned. So uh, they didn't tell me this at the time, which was wise of them. But basically for the last 40 minutes of me pushing, she wasn't moving at all. Jesus. So I was, now the epidural was great, obviously. Um, but I was pushing that entire time and didn't know that she wasn't moving. Uh, so then they called in a uh, doctor and they said, okay, well, we're gonna have to 
we're going to have to use forceps. And when they ask you things like that in a delivery room as well, and you're just like, yeah, I, yeah, whatever, I just do whatever you have to do. I don't like, I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> so um, they said, look, there's going to be a slight tear, and uh, it, it, like, it'll be hard. It'll be a little bit harder on you. And I was like, that's fine. That's okay. So um, that, I think she she arrived at five to ten. So, I mean, I that at half eight, I'd been told that I could start pushing and there was still no sign of her, like, for a long time. So it was five to, five to ten, she, I, I gave birth then. And um, they took her and gave her to me. And I was, like, totally in love with her. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's here. And um, I really did. Like, I know some, some people don't have that magic moment, but I, I did have that moment when they put her on my chest and I went, oh, my God, she's here. This is amazing. And then it was like the ceiling met the floor i my whole head was i was just started to feel really really dizzy the most dizzy i've ever felt in my life and i turned around to my husband and i was like you have to take her you have to take her and he was like what no yeah i'll take her in a minute it's fine i was like no you have to take her now and he was like okay so he went he went to take her and i just started getting sick over the side of the like really badly i couldn't stop and um my blood the colour went from my face and I just started to I, I, I didn't really know what was happening I was completely out of it I kind of knew that she was okay that the doctors had checked her and then I don't really remember a lot after that so they were giving me fluids um, they weren't really sure what was going on either they thought that um, I'd lost too much blood but they weren't sure um, and they thought that I might have had a reaction to something um, so when they gave me the fluids my lips swelled up and my throat swelled up and I couldn't swallow so you know when they they I was so looking forward to you know that nice moment they bring in the toast and the tea yeah. for you I couldn't I couldn't drink the tea like <laughs> I couldn't eat the toast I was like I genuinely cannot swallow there is something wrong like so um they had to bring down one of the pharmacy people to check what was going on and they were like oh she's just had a reaction I think to the fluids so I was just they kind of left me in the delivery ward for I think about three or four hours to rest and they don't really do that they usually bring you straight down to the ward but I just couldn't I couldn't move I was really out of it and um, so anyway they brought me they brought me down out of the the ward a few hours later Pam I like I can barely remember any of this day like any of the day um I remember they said that I, I said I wanted to go to the toilet a few hours later and they went oh okay and I had a lovely assistant with me she was like taking care of me because they were a bit concerned about me basically passing out and didn't know what was going on so I went into the bathroom and um, when I left my mother was with me actually she was at the side and Mick had gone off to get food for the first time in about 48 hours <laughs> and um, when I went into the bathroom um, I came out and I remember seeing a sign across the hall and then nothing. I blacked out and uh, I woke up on the floor of the bathroom with about three midwives standing around me and assistants and a doctor and there was a wheelchair and there was they were trying to like put me in the recovery position and I was like what is going on? <laughs> I just I just had no idea what had happened I completely just passed out so they brought me back to the ward and they were like okay we need to check what's going on so they um 
took my heart that my heart rate was really high and my blood pressure was really low and um, so they started monitoring me constantly because they weren't quite sure what was going on Um it turns out now I know from talking to the doctors that I I hemorrhaged in the delivery room and lost the, she reckons I lost a lot of blood Um but they they thought that my iron level had dropped in my blood so they took blood tests and then the next day I came back and said that my iron level had dropped um, and that I was going to have to have a transfusion. So I had, um, over the course of the five days, I think I had two, yeah, I had two transfusions, um, which were awful. Um, and I, like, after the first transfusion, I was convinced I was going home. I was like, brilliant, I'm going home. And then the second transfusion, they were like, no, your iron is still really low. We can't let you out. If you were out, you'd crash. The same thing would happen again that you happened to the delivery room. We need to keep an eye on you. I was like, oh my God. Um, and the entire time this was happening, of course, I was still looking after Julia and um, Mick was leaving at nine o'clock because that's the policy of the hospital. But I was out of it. Like, I definitely, definitely shouldn't have been left to look after a child. I was so tired and, uh, like, I'd lo- I had lost a lot of blood. I didn't realise at the time, but I was just, I was just delirious. And on top of that was in agony so they thought that the diphene had had caused the the issue mm-hmm. so they hadn't given me diphene for the tear so when that's the epidural started to wear off that became very very sore very painful i couldn't get in and out of bed i mean i was like pushing myself up from the back of the bed by my hand and then trying to like throw myself off the edge of the bed every time i had to get out of the bed um, and i could only shuffle to the the bathroom I was, I can't even tell you the agony I was in. And they were giving me paracetamol. They weren't giving me um, anything stronger. Like it was the, it was the strong paracetamol, but it just wasn't, yeah. just wasn't really having an impact. Um, But it was, it was, I was just so traumatized that I was looking after Julia when I, I definitely couldn't have even looked after myself at that point. I was. And is there um like a nursery in that hospital? No, so like so it's they, like Cork, like CUMH is the same. There is no nursery. They they sleep in the baby sleep next to you. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the policy most of the time now is that they they spend time with the mothers. Yeah, and I mean I would have been all for it, but I was. But not really under just, those circumstances. No, and the the problem with with Julia was Julia's clock was all mixed up, so she thought day was night and night was day, so she would sleep all day in the ward not a peep out of her and then it was the second Mick would leave the building she would start crying so I was like trying to soothe her and not really having a clue what I was doing of course because you're a first time mother and um but not basically not being able to get out of the bed to get to her yeah and I mean I still had like the line in my hand because they were still giving me transfusions and um it was just I just kind of felt like no matter how many times I was saying I'm in real agony here it kind of wasn't being heard and I by the fourth fourth day I said to my husband you're gonna have to talk to the the head of the ward I can't do this anymore I can't get out of the bed to her and I'm really distressed like at night I, I like I just couldn't move and he went down and he said to the he said to the head midwife he was like 
look, she really wants to discharge herself. And the midwife was like, she can't discharge herself. She's really sick. And he was like, no, uh, no, I agree with you. I, she cannot discharge herself. But she can't look after Julia in the state she's in at the moment. She can't get in and out of the bed. She's very weak. And uh, she's finding it all very difficult. Um, and she feel like like her pain medication has been great. Like they've given me the diphene then at that stage because I was begging them for pain medication. I was like, I can't, I cannot move. I'm in so much pain. Please give me something. So they came up and they went, oh no, you didn't have a reaction to the diphene. And I was like, why couldn't somebody have just given me diphene two days ago? Um, and yeah, so like at that point, they kind of made a little bit of a plan for me that the midwife would take her for about four hours that night. Um, so they could kind of look after her a little bit so that I could get some rest because I mean I that was the Tuesday and I hadn't slept since Friday since yeah. Thursday night um, at all you know you can't sleep in the water during the day it's mental yeah it's um, even during the night the noise levels it's oh, not conducive to sleeping it's crazy like and but Julia was she was awake at night that was the, the problem so I was basically by myself at night looking after a baby who was basically functioning like a, a day baby um, and I like the other thing that happened was the line in my hand the transfusion it, it swelled and off and it was just it just got very very sore but so I wasn't able to lift her that well because my hand was really bruised so um, by the time they actually discharged me on the Wednesday I was like get me out of here I can't wait to get out of here so yeah I was wasn't skipping anywhere obviously but I was slowly strolling to the front door <laughs> and since then you know obviously you've had four kind of months to think about everything that's happened and process it and mm. look back and you know on the care that mm. was given um and how do you feel about that now um well I I did I did write to the hospital so that that was where we were talking about a couple of weeks ago um I hadn't really done anything about it, but it was upsetting me. It, 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 I did feel the impact of it afterwards. And I was, there was a big part of me that was like, ah, oh, all women go through this and just get on with it. And then I'd spoken to a couple of people and they were like, oh, I didn't, that sounds awful. I didn't go through anything like that. I was like, oh, oh, right. <laughs> I just thought it was normal, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and I was like, no, this, this definitely isn't normal. Um, so like, I understand with tears and everything that the, the recovery is longer anyway. Like I was two months recovering, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I really felt like I, I wasn't being heard and that there wasn't, there wasn't a care available to me at the time. That isn't the fault of the midwives or the nurses or anyone that's working in the Rotunda, by the way, they are amazing. And they helped me out. They went above and beyond their roles to look after me. You know, like yeah. one of the midwives, when she took Julia, she she took it on top of all of her other tasks that she had to do that night. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it wasn't like she just, you know, that that was part of her timetable. She did it because she knew I wasn't well. So, but they, I just felt like they, if Mick could have been there at night. Mm -hmm. It would have just given you some solace to rest and. Yeah. And you knew and I mean, she was being cared for. It wasn't even about sleep even it was just i felt like every night when i got out of the bed two or three four times to get to her i was actually making myself worse yeah i was actually making the pain like it was like the pain was worse the next day because i'd been moving around so much i just needed to just lie in bed for a few days and not move you know 
so yeah I definitely felt I yeah looking back on it I was just like I I I definitely had dealt with it very well I kind of um I spoke to a counselor about it because I was just like I can't I just can't process what happened I because she put her finger on it actually said she, you felt like you weren't being heard and that's exactly what it was it was it was I felt like I just kept saying I can't do this and I'm not just making a song and dance about it I am a strong person I'm able to do things but I can't get to her and I I can't actually deal with the pain anymore but it, it's so. almost as you know I feel like if you had gone into hospital with that condition you know there mm. would be absolutely no expectation for you to do anything but look after yourself but for some reason when you have a baby there's this expectation that you can do look after yourself and um and be able to look after a newborn i remember yeah. leaving the hospital i left a day early with alice um and i remember leaving and there was a nurse on call and uh she was absolutely she was she was wasn't very nice everyone else was absolutely every other midwife was lovely but this one in discharge was particularly difficult. And when we finally got out the door, um, Ben said something like, um, oh, I'm, something, I'm taking home to look after her, or you know, so, some like passing comment of, you know, I can't wait to get them home to look after them. And she turned to him and said, There's no, she's not sick, she's just had a baby, that's all. And I was like, that's exactly the problem here, is yeah. that, no, I'm not sick, but yes, I did have a baby. Um, yeah, and I had very little recovery, but I still felt yeah. in that hospital because there was no support. You know, Ben, like that, Ben was sent home early and stuff. It was yeah. like, it was kind of, yeah, it was overwhelming. And you were not sleeping. And I was kind of like, I might as well go home because at home I'm in my own bed and I'm in my own comfort and I have my husband by my side to help me. And, um, yeah, that yeah. the aftercare is is a, a funny one. Yeah, it's like and it's awful because even talking to you now or talking about it in general, I still feel like I'm making a song and dance about nothing. Does that does that make sense? You still kind of feel like you should have just uh, endured it and kind of like exactly got on with it. Yeah, uh, and I I I found those two things very hard to. I found it hard to think I had a hard time, and on the other hand say that I had a hard time yeah it, it, you know what I mean so like when I I went into um I had a postnatal care visit uh with one of the doctors and um she said to me oh I I, I think you hemorrhaged and then she was like I mean when you know looking at your chart here like we'd have to manage your next pregnancy if you wanted to have an expert and it was just it was the way she spoke to me it was exactly what I needed I just need somebody to go that wasn't easy yeah and acknowledge it and then I could go, yeah, do you know what? It wasn't, but it's okay. <laughs> that's all. That's what I felt like that's what I, I wasn't getting. I remember one of the days when I was like crying and I couldn't, I, so I couldn't, I was in so much pain that I couldn't pick Julia up by the crotch at all. So Mick would have to pick her up to give her to me. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't lean over. And um, I remember crying about it one day. I was really upset about it in the, the ward. And one of the midwives came in and saw me crying. She went, oh that's okay everyone gets a bit upset on day three and i was like no no this isn't what this is this isn't hormonal <laughs> this is actual pain like yeah. yeah i'm upset because i can't look after my own child <laughs> yeah so yeah 
Yeah. So meeting and so that postnatal care meeting, like you, that gave you an opportunity to be heard. Did that what that you what you didn't get when you had yeah, Julia? Yeah, like, and I mean, it wasn't even meant to be like that. I actually had just gone in for um, a checkup because um, they were worried about my. I don't know how like technically you want to get here, but sure, here we go. Um, my perineum hadn't healed properly. Yeah. So they were kind of a bit concerned about that. So they had sent me back into the hospital and they were just checking me to see if everything was okay. And the doctor I spoke to, I said, look, it's probably not even your thing. And if it isn't, that's fine. I was like, but can you just let me know who I speak to about what happened? And I said, like, I don't know if I'm going to have any more children, but I definitely don't want to go through what I went through the last time. And um, she pulled up my chair and she went, oh, you speak to me about it. And she kind of went through everything and was kind of like, okay yeah we'd need to you know but it was only that I brought it up there was no avenue for me to do that yeah unless I had brought it up which I like I know the coom do that kind of aftercare thing but there was nothing in the rotunda which I think is actually like I presume childbirth is like painful and traumatic in a lot of for a lot of women and I'm like it would be a nice thing to be able to sit down with somebody afterwards and go and I just talked to you about everything that happened there because you don't actually don't remember a lot of no, it either. No, absolutely not. Because you're to- like whether you've got an epidural or you even if it's a natural birth or you're on gas and air, like you're not of sound mind. You know, you're going no. through um Yeah. Yeah, just, a massive yeah. thing for your body. And so your focus isn't necessarily on what's happening, but getting you through what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Just get me through the next bit. Yeah. And, you know, and that's exactly. And I, so I wrote to the hospital. Um, I just kind of, I wrote about my experience and I just kind of went, look, I don't want to be given out. It's like, I didn't really want to make it even a complaint. I just, it was kind of more like a feedback kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, it just, it wasn't what I'd imagined my first few days of being a mother was going to be like. And I really felt like having my husband with me would have made the process that little bit easier that he would be able to look after her if I wasn't and he was like I mean I felt so sorry for him he was devastated leaving every night yeah no it's so I hard in pain. yeah it, he was in bits he was so like he texted me all the way home he texted me he'd get home he like if I was texting him at three o'clock in the morning saying oh my god she's crying again and I can't get out he was replying to me so he was up all night because I was up all night yeah so you know it it yeah I just think there has to be a nicer nicer way to do that you know and it's kind of unfair in the dads as well like dads want to be a part of all that yeah like it kind of takes them out of the first few days of their child's life you know so anyway. <laughs> so Dance. we we do text a lot about the dads <laughs> we're not gonna hide that now <laughs> i'm in trouble now <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in trouble when they hear it yeah. um so i ca- you text me recently about um, you have a good routine going with Julia. You had a good kind of like sleep routine. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to ask me about this. Which I've I've always encouraged because I definitely encourage you to get the Lucy Wolf book and to yeah. have a read of it. Um, because we found look it worked really well with Alice. Um, it gave us it. You know, we learned a lot from it. We like we were keeping her awake when she should have been sleeping and like some really basic stuff that you just don't know. Um, but you text to say what is it with dads <laughs> breaking their routines. <laughs> he's gonna kill me for saying this but um yeah and Mick is a really good dad like he's a he's a really good oh, hands-on dad like he's a hands-on dad but he's definitely the fun dad I can see it already like I mean she's only four months and 
he walks into her room and she just uh, like lights up like yes daddy's here <laughs> the crack is gonna start and like she, she's so she only laughs with him she doesn't laugh at me she i get the smiles and he gets like the full-on laughs like she just loves him but um mick wouldn't be as uh, stringent on times as i would be so i'd be like oh my god she has to go down for that nap now like no 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 and um what i can't even remember what it was that happened in the end that like i text you but i was like oh i think she was like was she gone was she overtired or something because she hadn't got yeah she had snapped for long enough and i was like oh my god now i'm up trying to put her down i was (laughs) losing my mind because i'm like this is a fine art art. and you're fecking it up by having the crack and it's terrible like he's just like he's brilliant with her but like I'd walk into a room and it's like it'd be 10 minutes before we put her to bed and he's like playing Winding with her, her, up. her and I'm like what are you doing what are you doing calm her down because I text you then I think it was either the same day or the following day and I text say yeah yeah of course definitely give the child tomato soup wearing lovely clothes and no bib and then ask me how to get the stain out of it. I was like, there is no getting the stain out of it. Tomato soup. Who gives a child tomato soup? Oh God, it's so funny. Like, it's just like, you know, and it's, it, well, this is going to sound terrible because he's going to absolutely kill me for this, right? But like, so say he'd be like, I'll take her for the next couple of hours. And I'd be like, great. So he'll, he'll, he'll take her off and then he'll be at the other end of the room and he'll be like so what if I to do and what time is that it? and what's this that? and what time and what she eat then and what and I'm like oh my god just give it to me it's just easier <laughs> that was something I said actually I, I, I remember in the early early days with Alice and um, Ben used to keep asking me questions like it was <laughs> non-stop and I just turned to him and I was like I don't know what you think I know but I don't know what you think I know like this isn't I I didn't give birth but also like I didn't get like a USB key of how to mother wasn't inserted into me when I gave birth so like you're asking me things I genuinely That's don't know who the answers to yeah oh, he just thought of me as well he'd be like why is she doing that I'm like I don't know <laughs> but I've oh, got no like he's I can't say like he's he's upstairs with her now and like he's texting me here about how she's sleeping <laughs> you know so she's woken up and i put her back down and everything like he's just so i think he's just scared of me like he's scared of me going what the hell happened so um, but like yeah. i was telling you at the start of this that um obviously because we were recording ben was going to put alice um down to sleep and he decided in his ultimate wisdom today three o'clock to <laughs> Um, give her a fine chunk of chocolate and I did I did forewarn him and I did say listen I don't mind because I'm not putting her to bed tonight but like you're gonna ha- that's gonna come back to bite you so yeah she was not I love that moment when you know you're like good luck buddy yeah have have fun yeah um and he yeah it was an extra hour put trying to get her down I was like yeah yeah I know I know believe me I know <laughs> So, um, so we do, we, we're, we're very fortunate to have fabulous husbands and they're great dads, but there are definitely times that we text uh, each other just to kind of release that sense of... I can't believe that secret's out now. He's going to kill me. I will actually murder them. <laughs> God, but he's so, like, I feel so sorry because he's working from home at the moment, obviously, with everything going on. And I mean, he walks out of one room and into the other and he is handed to Julia. Like, he's not even in the door and I'm like, take Julia and I'm gone. Like, I'm gone to do things. And he never... He never says one word about it. He's like, fine, yeah, no problem. And he goes in and he plays with her and he feeds her and he gives her bottles and he does all the night feeds. He's done night feeds since she's 
since this yeah, week. Yeah, is the same. So I can't, like, I can't give out about him. And do you know, the there's, <laughs> I read something, I can't even remember which book it was, but apparently it's actually like a biological thing that dads are the fun ones. Um, <laughs> that they're kind of like the winder uppers. Oh like that's almost like they're, um, like, like not like it's not the word that I'm looking for isn't like prehistoric, but it's like it's kind of their role within the family to be the ones that kind of bring the fun and bring the play and bring the messing. Yeah. Um, oh, I can see it happening already. Like it's, it's totally going to be a no. You need to be upstairs at this time. You need to do this, and he'll be like, ah, it'll be grand. We'll just go. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, oh my gosh, my whole life is flashing before my eyes. The only <laughs> thing I find is that. Because Ben brings the fun and like he's he's brilliant at playing like way more fun than I'll ever be um, is that it's definitely harder for him at night time to put her down because she doesn't understand why his role has changed. So he's where she with me, she'll be gone asleep in five minutes because she knows I'm zero crack um, (laughs) that I don't do the playtime or if I do, she also understands that mom has boundaries of, oh, yeah, playtime is over now. Yeah. Um, where she hasn't really got that understanding with Ben so she's still she goes she tries to wind when he doesn't react to the play she tries to wind him up to get him yeah. to play so the bedtime for him is definitely harder than it is for me so generally if I think he's gonna if you know if it's even we generally take turns every second night um, but if I'm if I'm I feel like he's had if, you know if we've had a if he's tired he's had a bad day or anything like that I'll go do you know what I'll do it because it'll take me five minutes and it'll take you it could take you half an hour so I know um yeah. I'll step in and be the boring mom and put her to sleep I know yeah but she's like she's definitely like that with me like she smiles at me and I kind of feel like they're almost sympathy smiles they're like yeah I'll smile at you but I'm really waiting for dad to come in so I can laugh at him and I'm like great thanks for him <laughs> like we brought her out for a walk there um, and usually I, I walk her by myself and she goes for she that's her last nap of the day and she naps while I walk and um, they, the both of us went out there one of the days last week me and Mick and she didn't sleep a wink not a, not a wink for the entire like we got back and I was like what am I going to do she hasn't had a nap this is a disaster she was still wide awake couldn't get her couldn't get her asleep because he was there yeah see it's it's kind of a it's a catch 22 yeah. with the dads I know I'm so sorry for it's that time I have to ask you three questions okay what would you tell your pregnant self? So many things. Um, I like I love the way when um, you ever you get to this question in the broadcast and everyone's always like sleep, <laughs> and like sleep is definitely, definitely, definitely up there. But I think um, try not to get statistic to the plan would be like I had this great notion that I was gonna come home and. Julia was going to sleep in the co-sleeper and I was going to breastfeed and this like idyllic kind of like thought of what like motherhood was going to be and it was all going to come absolutely naturally like nothing was going to to phase it and it didn't work out like I mean she still doesn't sleep in the, well in the co-sleeper um, and breastfeeding just ended in absolute disaster um, but it was fine like she's bottle fed and she's healthy and everything's okay and she sleeps um, she doesn't sleep uh, well in the coast saver but we won't talk about that um, uh, but like I just kind of feel like don't get too married to stuff like if you have to go with the flow 
she's she's her own person like that was something that I didn't think about mm-hmm. until she came home that she was going to have her own thoughts about what she was going to do and I was going to be like no you're going to sleep in this co-sleeper um, like she's her own person and I, like I was just saying to you before we started this she's so determined she, like she's only four months and I could see how determined she is already so there's kind of like go with the flow which is hard for somebody who's very organised <laughs> And what one product could you not live without? Um, I kind of, I kind of have two. I'm sorry. That's okay. So, um, my first one is the Lucy Wolf book. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Lucy Wolf, I'd say at this stage is taking out a, a like a restraining order against me because I've messaged her like twice, telling her she's amazing, and I'd say she's just like, please leave me alone. <laughs> So I started using, my mother-in-law bought me the book and it was just kind of sitting on the shelf. Um, and I started reading it during my maternity leave, like before I had Julia. And it was like, you can start these things from six weeks and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll. And then I started properly following it when she got, when she got home because, because like I was saying to you, she, she didn't understand day and night. It was all over the place for her. And Lucy Wolf has that thing about, you know, don't let her go past half seven, make sure you get up open the curtains start the day even if you've been yeah. up all night to five six o'clock and i mean the first night we did it she went down at 20 to 6 and we were up again at half seven it was hell but um i just i like i go back to that book all the, and i just bought her second book and i just go back to it all the time for tips and i'm like why is she doing this thing now and she always has the answers like it's amazing i don't know <laughs> i don't understand how she does it but I, I just love that book so much, so much. Um, and the second thing is uh, Julia has a matchstick monkey. I think I was oh, telling yes. you about this before. Oh my God. Like if anything happens to that matchstick monkey, like consider me dead, like it goes everywhere with her. She's so attached to it. And I managed to find, find um, the bigger one in Tesco because I was going to order the second one online. I was like, oh my God, she loses this is a disaster. Um, but I got her the second dancing one, which is like bigger. <laughs> and I got it two days ago and I don't think she's been without it since since she got it. Um, she loves it and she just chews it all. Like it goes into every, like she holds onto it. it. Like if you pick her up, she's still holding it. And it goes into every room and it, it's like, when she's in her high chair, she sits in the high chair. She's got this high chair that's kind of tilted. Yeah. Um, so she sits in that with it, goes into the pram, goes out for her nap. So, you know, she's in the pram and she wakes up, she's still holding on to it. She'll start playing with it again. <laughs> so, I, yeah, those two things are like matchstick monkey just because one is called Red Man because uh, he's red, obviously. And the other is called Pink because she's pink. So <laughs> and we can't do without either of them. <laughs> and finally, what has been your magic moment? I was thinking about this because um, I think like there's kind of there's kind of two that I remember really well from my first six weeks. I know you're supposed to only have one. I'm sorry, um. But the the moment Julia was put on my chest, I like, I started bawling. I just couldn't believe she was there. I I mean, going through the I think anyone that's gone through a miscarriage spends their whole pregnancy. And like I know every woman spends their whole pregnancy on edge, but you do. You have you just you're just so on edge. You think everything that you do is going to affect the pregnancy like everything you eat everything you look at everywhere you walk like you're just like so on edge and it was just when they put her on my chest and she was alive and well and perfect I just started crying that she was 
there I was like this I can't believe that I've managed to like all of the insulin injections and the hospital appointments and the pain in my hip and everything that I went through I was like oh this was so worth it for this moment when she's here that was before I started throwing up of course um and then the other one I remember <laughs> please don't give out to me about this one but we got a sleepy head right oh yeah one of my friends gave it to me and um, what I like to call the crack cocaine in our house because she is totally addicted to it and I know I'm going to have like people giving out to me left right and centre don't be putting your kids in it and I say to those people when you haven't had sleep for five nights in a row you will do anything anything to go to sleep and I remember um, I went looking for it because I wasn't even using it I was trying to get her in the cot and I went looking for it one night at about two or three o'clock in the morning like in exhaustion like pulling the house apart and I found it and brought it upstairs and I put it into the middle of the bed in between me and Mick and put her into it and she fell asleep <laughs> and she hadn't slept properly like she hadn't slept for any more than 30 minutes I'd say for the first three four weeks like she just we just couldn't get any sleep we were so so sleep deprived it was ridiculous and I remember the moment she went into that and she slept for three hours and we were just so delighted <laughs> And that is the story of how I'm now married to my sleepy head. <laughs> married. <laughs> Sue, thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, so much of yourself and your journey to motherhood and the first few months of motherhood in the middle of a pandemic, which I can <laughs> I, I will be experiencing in a few short weeks. Um, so thank you so much. Can I say thank you to you because... Um, I didn't really like I listened to some of your podcasts before I had Julia but like I was saying to you I didn't really get it like there's a lot of it where you're just like oh, I don't experience that so I don't know what's happening and then with no mums groups in my life I just started listening to it and I flew through like I'm nearly at the end of the third season I bring it on my walk with me every day and I feel like it's my mums group and you're costing me a fortune because every <laughs> single person you have on I'm like I need to buy that product what is that but um I just it's just been such a help to me it really has no it really freaks me out you text me in the middle of the podcast and I'm listening to it. <laughs> I'll get over it <laughs> well I'm glad that I've gotten so many messages from mums during during the pandemic saying the same thing which for me is kind of why I suppose I started it because I was down in yeah. Kerry there was only there was only breastfeeding groups so if you weren't breastfeeding there was kind of nowhere yeah, to go I had the same problem. so yeah. I'm really glad that people are enjoying it and I'm really glad as one of my best friends that you're enjoying it because I can't, haven't seen you since you've had your baby so at least I feel like I'm helping you through in some way. Yeah, you are. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of From Unkind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you would like to send me a message, please email fromunkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram and see you on the next episode of the podcast. <laughs>